0: Welcome, children, to the Silver Scream Fiends podcast. Prepare yourself for some killer kino, some spooky cinema, and plenty of tales of terror. Relax, grab a drink, make yourself at home, and listen to another evil episode. And hopefully, you'll make it out alive. <laughs>
1: James, you wanna you wanna kick us off here? Let's go. Seven. Sweet. All right, that's the end of the show.
2: And I'm Blake.
1: What 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 match is going on in the background? Is it me? Oh yeah, it's you. Oh, okay, cool.
0: What's the theme song?
1: Uh sing it. You know it
0: silver screen cleans sam and blake those green fiends yeah they're gonna watch the movies talk about those movies silver screen fiends sam and blake those screen fiends yeah watch about the movies <laughs> i mean talk about <laughs> what
1: <laughs> oh and with that uh, lovely introduction welcome back to the silver screen fiends podcast i'm your host sam and I'm Blake. I just uh, you know, in case there's confusion,
3: and yeah. we're
1: um we're coming at you on Halloween, uh, and our episode involves a dear friend returning back to the show. Um, James, hello, Whoa. James.
0: I was here Little like talk. two Halloweens ago. I don't remember.
1: <laughs> yep, you were. Uh, it was two Halloweens ago, and then you were on the Shaw Brothers episode, which uh, True. which fun fact? The episode James was on was our
0: highest listened one the highest rated episode in screen fiend history (laughs) he brings in the
1: crowd yeah look look at him i mean i'm an
0: influencer i'm a twitch influencer (laughs) (laughs) i'm an affiliate
1: (laughs) so uh we we're doing a special episode we're going to be talking about uh boris karloff and bella lugosi and how they Mm. apparently hated each other or did they (laughs) not clickbait um (laughs) <laughs> so, But first, we're going to get into our housekeeping, which means we're probably just going to talk about Dune for a minute.
2: Yeah, let's just cut to the chase.
1: Yeah, let's just talk about Desert Power, the movie. <laughs> we
2: all watched Dune recently. Yeah. I didn't see that movie. Pretty bad. Everything else doesn't matter.
1: Movies suck. Yeah, you, you watched it twice, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I you did. Watched, yeah. Nice. <laughs> I'll probably
2: watch it again soon, too.
0: I do like that you said Desert Power, the movie. I did really like Desert Power. Did they say that in the book? Uh, yeah, I think so. Because I liked how it was emphasized.
2: <laughs> yeah me too we got
0: air power we got water power we need desert power
2: yeah i'm pretty sure that's in the book
1: <laughs> well i just i just want to start by saying that that sandworm can get it i want well, to be yeah. alone with that thing that's well, disgusting f- uh blake i assume you read the original story right you, you yes
2: did? i read the first three dune uh, books
1: okay so like how faithful is, is the is the movie adaptation
2: very it, yeah there's some things that are cut out just like for time Obviously, but overall, like you could not that you should ever like watch a movie instead of reading a book, but it's it's mm-hmm. very close. All
1: right, yeah. James said it's the same it's thing, good stuff.
0: I didn't say the same thing,
1: yeah. You did, you just
0: did. Diamond read the book. <laughs> <laughs> book. It's nice, though. I have heard, uh, from pretty much universally that book fans are happy with the adaptation, so. yes,
1: yeah, I'm which always never
2: happens, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like this in like Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I get. Not that the movies are similar in any way, but it kind of gives me Lord of the Rings vibes in terms of the scope of the story. It's trying to tell the um, the fact that the first movie is clearly a first movie and like needs a sequel because it's an incomplete story, which is fine. Um, and the fact that book fans actually like it. So yeah.
2: It's similar to Lord of the Rings too, where like Lord of the Rings also obviously had to cut a lot from the books, but they like figured out how to cut the right things to keep everybody happy and like keep the story making sense. And that's what they did with, with Dune too. Like there's obviously parts that are not going to be in there because they're just either not going to work on screen or just aren't important. And I think that they picked the right stuff to include as a book fan.
0: And what's nice is someone who hasn't read the books, and I'm, I'm sure Sam probably feels the same way since he hasn't either, is that uh, a lot of the times when you hear, oh, book fans are happy about it, um, non-book fans get lost, like, I don't know what the heck's going on, but this movie, I, someone told me, like, oh, if you didn't read the book, you're not going to know a thing that's happening. But I was totally uh, not confused at all. Like, I felt like I got anything. I didn't feel like there was a detail that needed to be told that I didn't. Like, I'm sure there's all this backstory stuff, just like the Lord of the Rings movies, right? There's all tons of stuff in the book they never hit upon, but you don't need to actually know it to still get the story, uh, which I appreciated.
2: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, there's like all of the characters have a lot of backstory that's not expanded on, but you don't really need it to like, get the basic plot of what's going on in dune like there's obviously tons of stuff like the benny jesserit and all that have like deep deep backstories and lore and things but to like understand paul's story as it is presented on screen you do not need to know those things so it's kind of like it works because the story is so basic in some ways that like all of the deep like glossary of terms that the book has you don't you don't need for the movie because it's pretty like straightforward what's going on but it adds to it if you do read the book
1: yeah that that was pretty much exactly what i was going to say because um i was expecting to be completely lost and pretty much mostly all of the plot was there for me there was like a touch of ambiguity um and like i, I do think with the ending you know because it is Basically a cliffhanger. I almost wonder like what if they just said lol fuck it and did not do a second Dune movie? Like how well that was what was terrifying they fucking suck. <laughs>
3: yeah. and it's
0: it's nice that as of like yesterday they greenlit the sequel. But I was saying to myself, it's like it's really bold of them to put out a part one. And in the beginning it says, and they haven't marketed this way, which was I think a little dangerous on their part. Yeah. It says Dune part one. And it is very bold to do that and not have a sequel ready to go uh but thankfully we're gonna get one and i assume they're gonna maybe wrap it up with the second i don't know if they want to make it a trilogy i've been told that it only covers like it doesn't even cover half the book the first movie
2: um well it, it does it's like the the way the book is structured is the beginning of the book is where like a lot of plot happens and then you get a lot of paul like with the fremen and like integrating into their culture which is like hundreds of pages in the book that doesn't necessarily need to be that long in the movie. And I think they said they're doing two parts for the first book. And then obviously there's other books they can expand onto, but I'm pretty sure it'll be part one and two will be Dune. And then if they do another one, it'll be the the next book in the series.
0: I'm hyped for it. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I, I hope that it keeps doing well. I would love to see more and more. It's also kind of funny because Like the a lot of the main ideas of Dune, they have not even gotten to yet, and so it's kind of funny to see people like react to that because like the whole, basically like what the like philosophy of Dune boils down to, is that like heroes and like messiahs and saviors are like not a good thing, and the first movie is very much like a hero movie. Paul is clearly the hero, and it's funny to like see that because we have not gotten to the part where you realize that Paul is not a good guy yet.
1: Wow, spoilers. Dang. Uh, One thing I do want to say is the sound design was absolutely brilliant. Like everyone's been talking about the visuals, but I watched this movie uh, mostly with headphones in because I was curious about it and it's like every little vibration like they did not miss a beat. It was phenomenal. I kind of wish I saw this in
2: IMAX. Movie.
1: I kind of wish. Yeah, I, I was saw
2: it. gonna. I was gonna ask that either you guys see it in an actual theater. Or I no? saw it in I theater. It I,
1: oh, I, yeah, I, I really, I really yeah, I wish I did watch it in a theater. Uh, I mean, listen, it was cool on my TV, of course. Um, but yeah, I I want to see this in a theater. It
0: was good in a the theater. I yeah. watching the movie. I was saying to myself, like, this is a big screen movie. Um, for sure yeah mm-hmm.
2: yeah. But, I'll, I will probably go see it in IMAX at some point
0: yeah I would like to see that like on a big nice big IMAX screen I think it'd be cool I mean the the sandworm scenes were uh, in particular you know visually and sound speaking were pretty wild like that first one was pretty cool cinematically yeah uh, especially on the big screen so yeah
1: I also loved all all the the warriors popping out from the sand I thought yeah, that, that was, was cool. fucking
0: cool
2: yeah. I also loved all the like languages that they created for the movie. That was really cool because I don't recall that being a part of the book like I'm pretty sure oh really every, I, I'm pretty sure most of the characters just speak English in the book and it was cool that they had like different languages. That was an interesting way to like set apart the houses and like the different like factions and stuff. I liked that
1: well, English machine broke, dude. English Machine Broke.
0: I loved it. House Harkonnen is my dudes. They're like <laughs> tailor-made characters for me. <laughs> I oh saw that battery. Like I I used...
2: They cut what? out a lot of the really bad stuff <laughs> so you can enjoy them in the in the movies, a lot more because there's a lot of raping going on. I, yeah, I had like, a, well, it's like Game of Thrones. They cut out yeah. the mountain being
0: a bad yeah, yeah. as, as soon as you
1: said the bad stuff, I knew what the next word was going. Yeah, to well,
2: be. like Baron Harkonnen's like a rapist, like yeah. evil pedophile character. Yeah. So it's oh, kind of wow. good that they didn't include that. I don't
1: like <laughs> yeah, that well. now. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> we've ruined Dune. Dune is now canceled. Dune's bad. Yeah, no, this was great, and I really hope moving forward. This is the template for sci-fi movies. This this is how you fucking do it. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's hard though, right? Because it's like uh, you mean you're talking about what? One of argu- arguably the greatest sci-fi book of all time they're adapting. So it's like to get to match something in it's like Lord of the Rings. You can never no one's ever really replicated a fantasy movie that's like Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. It's just it's It's just, impossible. Honest, it, yeah. It's I think it's just such a weighty and good story. So, I mean, I don't expect this to set a template, but I'm a big fan of what it did. Well,
1: well, more so in regards to editing and pacing, because that is the biggest problem I find with sci-fi is it just seems like it's all edited by, like, incompetent people. Like, every modern movie I watch, I just, like, worst fucking case of that was, like, Halloween Kills. I, I mean, I know it's not sci-fi, but like, Editing to me is a huge part. It sets the tone. It's if you have bad editing, I do not like your movie. Like I think so.
2: part of it too. What is unfortunate is Dune has kind of proved that in order to make a really really good sci-fi fantasy, because I kind of consider Dune both science fiction and fantasy. It has elements yeah. of both. Sure, but it has kind of proved that to be this successful in that genre, you have to have such a massive budget to pull it off. Yeah, and, like maybe this'll make one or two other studios like think about giving that kind of money to a sci-fi movie but i highly doubt it unfortunately and like
0: i think it's doing well and it seems like it's doing well I was able to get greenlit but like i don't it, this movie's not making lord of the rings money yeah. right and yeah. at, you got to say to an extent i don't i don't think about it this way but anything short of that kind of money with that sort of production is somewhat of a letdown probably for the studio
2: i think also it's just like it happened to be like the perfect storm and like kind of like capturing lightning in a bottle where you have a director who's highly respected by film fans and sci-fi fans you have arguably one of the most popular hottest actors in the world right now in the lead and then on top of that, you have an entire cast of like A list actors. Yeah, like they so really like, got. There are tons of people that will see this movie because Timothy Chalamet is in it, knowing nothing oh, of else course. about Dune. Yeah. So well, like, you, I don't yeah. know if you could capture that again in another scenario. And actually,
0: that's one of the things working against it somewhere. I know that all these people, like, if you go on the internet, you see people complaining on Twitter and are like, Zodiah is hardly in the movie." uh and like batista's hardly in the movie and a lot of people are feel misled i guess yeah. um
2: wait till part two because those characters they they didn't yeah. those characters have not had their like moments yet the sure.
0: problem is like i was saying before i think their are the marketing campaign doesn't i think reflect the fact that it is part one yeah and that yeah so i think that's a problem for them, but they got the greenlit sequel so it doesn't matter yeah, yeah. i mean there literally
2: as i was watching it when the title screen came up i was like oh i guess this is going to be two parts because i did not know that before going into
0: it yeah also let the record show that while dune did very well on hbo and surpassed uh justice league on opening mortal kombat still reigns supreme whoa <laughs> That's like number one hbo streamed movie no way really is that funny. true holy shit yeah did you see that i think some in the discord someone posted an article and it was like uh like a substantial amount over everybody else mortal kombat hat it beat. Which, just they could beat wonder wow. woman
2: speaking of movies that they need to greenlit a sequel for they need to do the second one for that i too. think they
0: did greenlit that didn't did they? they i think I don't know. I feel like that's got to get it. it's it got had to have done well. I, I mean, hope
2: so because it needs a part two.
0: I had a lot of fun. I I've been having. I have fights about that. I don't really have fights, you know. But people people seem to hate that movie. Yeah, I I, that I'm movie. I'm a big defender, and I love Mortal Kombat. And and one in one way that makes me like it, but I also think that makes me its biggest critic because I am a fanboy of Mortal Kombat, and yeah. they definitely don't stay loyal to the story but like i don't care i thought it captured the spirit i mean the main character was stupid
2: but
1: <laughs> yeah we and could that, we could totally get rid of him that's what i was worried Cole. about
2: that's what i was worried about going into dune because like during the pandemic especially i got like really really into dune i i had already read it before but i started reading the sequels and like getting really into like the whole world of it and so i was kind of worried that i was going to unfairly judge the movie and then after watching it once I was just like holy shit yeah I it keep saying now away. I'm
0: like oh man I'm gonna read the I'm gonna read Dune now I definitely want to do that I'm not gonna do it I mean it's Dune big, in I, particular
2: I is a dense and difficult book to read if you're like trying to get into reading science fiction and fantasy Dune is not not the one to start with in my opinion like I don't I don't really suggest it for people who are like new to yeah, I've read.
0: heard that from a I've lot heard. of people. It's a
2: it's a hard book to read. Not that it's confusing, it's just very dense. Like there are yeah. full chapters about the ecology of the planet and like it goes on for pages and pages and pages. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I mean this, I mean, I don't think this is dense so to speak the movie, but like it is not an easy sell like I think about some of the biggest franchises like Lord of the Rings my dad I don't think would like Lord of the Rings Like he's not a big fan but my dad could watch Lord of the Rings uh, there's no way my dad would like this movie um, yeah. and there's a lot of exposition in this movie and I, I was fine I was interested in the exposition but there's like a lot of exposition
2: yeah, my parents asked me like, "Oh, how was it?" Because they know I'm such a big fan, and I was like, "Oh, I loved it." And they were like, "Should we watch it?" And I was like, "I don't know."
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's not Star Wars, you know. Like some yeah. people think like it's a big Star Wars movie. I'm like, that's not what you're getting. No,
1: it's it's no. definitely not. <laughs> you if definitely anything, have got like, some
0: interest in it.
1: Yeah.
0: My my point of reference is, I mean, it's hard to compare to anything. When I'm like, it's probably like most like Game of Thrones ish. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would compare so. it to Game.
2: I That's would say I like people. like it's there's two there's like a spectrum of science fiction and one side of it is like soft sci-fi and one side of it is hard sci-fi. Dune is on the hard sci-fi section where it's like true science fiction, like it's not an action movie, it's not an adventure story, it is science fiction. Whereas Star Wars is an action adventure movie that takes place in the science fiction world. Dune Mm -hmm. is a science fiction story. It is heavily a science fiction story. It is not like a blockbuster, really.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: But regardless, if they can get someone like me into it and even interested in wanting to read one of the books, it did its fucking job. Sam doesn't (laughs) actually like it that much. I could tell. Oh, (laughs) yeah. James, by the way, just going to I called him out yesterday. Just going to throw you under the bus real quick. Yesterday, James and I were talking. I said I hadn't watched Dune yet. He was like, I already know you. You're going to say you like it. You respect it for what it is. It's good. But I know you're not going to really
0: be that into (laughs) it. And I I know he's not. He's full of it. We can talk about the
2: flaws. There's definitely flaws. I
0: don't think he thinks it's bad. No, my cake is that Sam thinks it's a good movie. Sam gave it a good score. But it's not something that Sam's going to care about. He's gonna lose his passion for it immediately. And <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that, Sam. Well, there's nothing well, wrong with that.
1: Well, well, I will I will lose my passion and then I'll watch part two. And then the passion will be reignited.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, you hate dude. Yeah, honestly, it do be bad though. Yeah. And you hate movies. As do I.
1: Well, yes, movies suck.
0: I've I've really this month I was supposed to watch about horror movies. I'm horrible. <laughs> i, I watching. Yeah. It. By
1: by the way, the the we also have the creator of Gulathon
0: who has not stepped up to the point. That's true. <laughs> the creator of Ghoulathon has watched eight horror movies, and it's Halloween. Oh yeah. But I played I played a whole horror game. I beat Alan Wake in October. That's like three movies. It's cinematic.
2: Very cinematic. They should Kino. make that a movie. Kino. I don't think it's popular enough though
0: probably work better as a movie honestly the game gets repetitive yeah anyway this is a gaming stream yeah,
1: yeah. i need a game of basket case too
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh old?
2: man anything else anybody watch that we want to talk about before we move on to our Not did you guys, yeah. all- guys talk about, about halloween
0: kills already oh yeah, yeah oh we, we, we had an Sunday. entire
1: halloween episode yeah <laughs> yeah
2: let's but let's hear it i want even to hear your, your thoughts it. Yeah, let's hear your thoughts. it. I
0: don't hate it. I did. You feel the it. same way I did. Yeah, you we kind
2: of both agreed. Yeah.
0: It's and it's frankly in comparison to the some of the the dog, do we curse on this podcast?
2: Fuck you. The dog.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> in, <some case, laughs> in comparison to the dog shit that that franchise stoops to. It's not bad. Like it's better than Halloween. Like five, five or um, six, or six six, or Resurrection. Resurrection, I kind of find funny. All right. First of all,
1: Buster Rhymes, how dare you? Yeah,
0: Buster Rhymes fighting Michael Myers is an incredibly entertaining scene. Oh yeah, it's not good. Um, Trick or treat, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I like it. Just I, it was mean spirited in a way that. I didn't love like i felt like the entire movie existed to it was like i have wrestling on in the back it's like bad wrestling booking right it's what it's what i complain about with like brock lesnar when they bring him in the wwe and he comes and he just like beats kofi kingston for no reason who has momentum just to prove that brock lesnar's strong when everyone knows brock lesnar's strong like this movie to me was let's convince everyone that michael myers is powerful and i was like i already know michael myers is a threat and you have all these characters who not trying to spoil are essentially meaningless who they introduce who i might have been interested in honestly but they didn't care about that and i never ever, ever 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 complain about characters making dumb decisions in horror movies i think that's part of what horror movies are but holy moly Some of these characters are making dumb decisions. And for the ones that were developed and should know better from the previous movie to make these decisions was less of a horror movies. Oh, let's split up. and more of a this is this is just to me inconsistent writing, especially since I think with these last two movies, they've tried to elevate Halloween on a storytelling level to a place it hasn't been before a little bit. Um, and if they want to, you know, hold that high standard, you know, I guess I hold them to a little bit, but I did not love the movie.
2: Yeah. I think the wrestling comparison is actually a really good comparison. That's so true. Like I, I, Michael Myers is already scary. Like you, we don't have to introduce and spend all these time with these new characters just for him to kill them in the end. Like, why, why did I watch this movie?
1: Yeah. And the, the one, the one huge Glaring issue, which I didn't even touch on when we discussed it, and then we'll move on. This movie and 2018 retcon every single Halloween movie in between. So, Michael Myers in this canon has only killed a couple of people, and 40 years later, the town is still somehow so terrorized by this isolated incident that you have a drunk-ass Anthony Michael Hall recalling the events year after year that he survived. So to me, you already take me out of the movie. You take me out of the intimidation of Michael. Aside from the kills, which were dope. I loved the kills in this movie. I guess we're full-on spoiling,
0: spoiling too. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, I also found very groaning... And again, not like it doesn't make, it doesn't infuriate me, but like the whole Michael Myers is turning the town into the monsters and Evil it's making dies tonight. Uh, and I'm like, Evil oh. dies tonight. Yeah. Like, yeah, what we, is talk, this? We, yeah
1: we talked what about it.
0: Soci- yeah, yeah. What is what the socioeconomic impact of Michael Myers is killed? Well, especially like,
2: cause it was lazily done too. It's not like it was like well done. Yeah. yeah. And like, Thank- like you said, like, yeah, I normally don't complain about like stupid decisions in horror movies and things like that, but this movie like takes itself so seriously and therefore asks us to take it so seriously and then to do stupid things. It's like pick one. Do you want to be like a stupid campy horror movie like like Happy Death Day or Freaky that are like these fun slasher movies or do you want to be a serious movie because you can't have yeah. both. Good no, either, for sure. It's either the I movie is dumb and you just sit down and enjoy it, or the movie is serious and you like criticize it in this way. But it like doesn't know what it wants to be.
0: Yeah, and uh, Sam said it too. Uh, I think in his review, it's very much a middle movie, mm-hmm. and it reeks of being a middle movie. Yeah, and it reeks 100%. of being meaningless. Yeah, like, and this is my problem with um, Pirates of the Caribbean Two: Dead Man's Chest. When I saw it, I liked it when it came out. And then I kind of reflected on it, like this movie is meaningless. This movie is just basically let's kill time to get to the third movie, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what this felt like. So yeah,
1: for sure. And you know, I'm sure I'm sure we'll like ends when it comes out. I, I think it'll be a nice wrap up, but we'll see. I don't, yeah, <laughs> we'll I'll be interested
2: you. to judge it as a as a trilogy. Yeah, for of, sure. Yeah, piece by piece.
1: Um, but yeah, uh, because I'm gonna vomit if we talk any more about Halloween. Evil dies yeah. tonight. Why don't we get into the meat and potatoes, fellas? Uh so the reason I wanted to do Boris and Bela is because, well, we are all huge fans, number one. But number never two, <laughs> never uh, but number two, um never heard of him. this 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 is always funny to me that the horror community is all, is always on the fence about the argument of whether or not Karloff and Lagosi actually had a rivalry. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to speak facts tonight. You know, no clickbait. Speaking fucking facts. Alright? Uh, James, why don't you tell us your entire history of Lugosi real quick? <laughs> in one sound.
0: One sound? Yeah. What? Easy. It's a freebie. Well, we just, that was an objective sound. That well, was we,
1: what. well, we could just pack in the whole episode there. No,
0: because that's it. <laughs> no. he never even says blair He never <laughs> says Blair, but that's that's his lie.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I uh I, I think I, I I love the fact that <laughs> all right, so I guess I guess we'll just kind of get into them a little bit before we get into like rivalry and shit. Um so I I find it interesting because they're always compared but they're also so vastly different as far as their acting styles, because Lugosi was Hungarian, moved to America, like the 1920s. Uh, He only worked on a few films in Germany, but other than that, he he wasn't doing too much. He did mostly theater. And um, what I found really interesting, which I didn't know till recently, was he starred in a play called The Red Poppy, where his Hungarian, his accent, was so heavy and he didn't speak any english at the time he was reciting his lines phonetically like he basically just like acted he had somebody help him and he acted out the lines to the audience and he was apparently so believable that this is what kick-started his career um and then that's when he hooks up with uh todd browning and does the very famous dracula in 31, which is the rise and demise of Lugosi. <laughs> it really <laughs> yeah. is unfortunate that that movie single-handedly gave and took away his career.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty unique scenario. I can't think of many other actors like that.
1: Right, because yeah. there's, there's many, many cases in history where actors get typecasted. Um, but with Bela, it, it was really unfortunate because he ended up living this tragic life where he stars in Dracula and he was he was revered on stage. And then because of him and Karloff rising the prominence at the same time, there is. So just to like set the, the set the actual tone here, there was no actual rivalry. Right. But there definitely was professional jealousy because Karloff was Hit, well, not pit against him, but he was with Lugosi and a lot like under the universal umbrella. They starred in, I think, about seven movies together. And in that time, like, you know, Lugosi did his thing, but they would they'd usually build Karloff over him. And the studio would want to keep like even after those movies and Lugosi was contracted to the studio, they would purposely put Lugosi's name on 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 a movie on on top billing even if he just had a cameo and and that was just to like get audiences in but i think it was really unfortunate because you know he was so typecasted that he he basically got sent into like a cinematic spiral of c and d list movies and and you know through all this bullshit you know he uh he also dealt with um some sciatic issue with his nerves and Then he got addicted to methadone and morphine and he dies. And it's really tragic because he was definitely like, I mean, obviously because I wasn't around at that time, but he was from what I hear, like an amazing stage performer. And that's, and I wish like that translated to the movies, but they didn't really give him a chance because he had such a heavy accent and he had such a way of acting that it was so tough for him to actually land roles. And then we have Karloff who like just fucking rose to stardom.
0: Well, That's the frustrating (laughs) thing when we always compare them, which I feel bad for Bella is because it's not really a fair comparison in the sense that I can't Bella didn't really have an opportunity to do anything that wasn't the Bella Lugosi character, which is more or less some version of Dracula. Right, the dude is debuts in Dracula. Obviously, he owns that role, and everything you watch him in, he's basically asked to play Dracula, even if he's not a vampire, even if he's doing other stuff. They're they're not giving him the roles to really try and branch out. So, my gut reaction, I think everyone's gut reaction, is like, well, Boris Karloff's a better actor, and he very well may be. Um, but I I haven't seen. Lugosi uh, attempt, right? I know he's in that one movie, uh, Nino, Nino something, you know, Nino Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. how you say it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like, I haven't seen it. He, I'm sure he has a small role in it. Yeah. There's like, uh, probably on a count of one hands, if you go down his filmography of like the non horror movies he did in small roles, but you didn't really get to see that. Where yeah. I feel like there was a lot more given to Boris Karloff to work with. And even in the horror movies, I felt, uh Boris Karloff they let sometimes have more diverse roles where Bella was not even given a chance you know every horror movie he's basically playing the same dude uh, and I don't think that's a knock on him I think that's the role he's given so
2: you know that's what I shame. think part of it is too. just like visually when you think of like Dracula and Frankenstein so much of bella lugosi is what became like vampires in pop culture the accent the way he looks all that kind of stuff whereas frankenstein is more about like the the like monster makeup and like the effects makeup like visually when we think of frankenstein we think of boris karloff but like when it comes to dracula it's everything about bella lugosi is what we think of when we think of dracula so it's like a different kind of typecast almost like like boris karloff's borderline wearing a mask in that movie like he's not recognizable as boris karloff whereas bella lugosi is recognizable as bella lugosi in dracula and anything you see him in after that you're like that's dracula yep i mean hell,
1: karloff wasn't even credited in the original frankenstein so everyone was like what <laughs> but yeah i think yeah you're absolutely right like he didn't he didn't get the chance that and that is the fucked up part and that's why i always get so confused in in horror communities it's like well who was better it's like but it's not really you can't even really say that you know it's not we're not we're not really comparing like you know it'd be more of a parallel to compare like karloff and price almost but even then there's still so much contrast between how the two operate that i i really find it so interesting Mm -hmm. um but and it, and and you know another thing I learned and this must have been really frustrating for Logosi too is so, Karloff was one of the founding members of the Screen Actors Guild, and Logosi was also on it not long after it was established, and because of how the studios were treating him versus how they were treating Karloff and you know not even just Karloff other other actors in the genre. He I feel like he was probably a little resentful at the fact that, hey, well, I'm kind of a part of this movement and y'all are still y'all are still giving me these minor roles. Like I'm not fucking and then he has that whole second career where people like Ed Wood are are snatching him up to collaborate and he and he's in and he's a cameo role in a bunch of like dead end kid movies where it just looks like scooby-doo spin-offs or some shit but that's really the unfortunate part is like he was he was a part of this fucking movement when you think of classic horror i mean you think of the universal guys and legosi was the first you know And he was instrumental in exactly what you said, Blake, exactly how people view Dracula, uh, the caricaturization. So it really is unfortunate he got dealt such a shitty hand.
2: Mm -hmm. You know what it is? It's Lugosi almost has like the Edgar Allan Poe storyline, where like in his lifetime, he was underappreciated and kind of like died, probably feeling like he hadn't like achieved the things that he wanted to. And it wasn't until so many years later that like we can have this appreciation for him. And it's like too bad people didn't have that when he was alive. And it could have like, you know, like changed the the course of his career. Look at all the people now who like were big in like the 80s or whatever and now have these whole new careers. Like I think of Henry Thomas who's who's Elliot and E.T. is now like a frequent collaborator with Mike Flanagan and he's in Haunting of Hill House, Dr. Sleep, uh Gerald's game, like all of these big movies now. And it's like this whole second career for him, whereas he could have just like kind of disappeared. And like Bella Lugosi, unfortunately, didn't have the time to be appreciated and like get that second career yeah. later in life.
0: Yeah, I even think like silly, like modern times, like with all the conventions we have now, like imagine if he was alive for all of this. Like, how revered he would be at those things. Obviously, yeah. it's a ridiculous time travel scenario kind of thing, but like he would have been able to be, I guess, more appreciated. But he occupies this weird space because there's famous actors that people love uh, because they're great actors. And I'm not saying Bellagosi's not a good actor, but do people love Bellagosi because he can act? People love the image of Belagosi. like he mm-hmm. is maybe not as successful or as popular maybe as Boris Karloff, but he's more iconic than or- Boris Karloff. Because like you said, right, Dracula is Bela Lugosi. Right. For better or for worse, anything that Bram Stoker wrote is out the window permanently because yep. Dracula- Bela Lugosi is Dracula. I would argue he's maybe one of the most recognizable fictional characters across the world, mm-hmm. right? Everyone sees that and they know who he is. So he's he's like he's more of a he's more of a presence. He's a personality like you like a Bela Lugosi movie because you're doing the shtick. He's the guy, but you're not looking for him to do anything new. You just want Bela Lugosi where Karloff, you see a Karloff movie and you can legitimately say, I don't know what kind of Karloff I'm going to get here. And that's what makes him awesome. Bela Lugosi is I know who Bela Lugosi is. I just want to see him do his shtick.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: and
0: it's oh, it's a kind of weird way to look at things. I mean, but I, I love him, but can I honestly say, oh, he was a great actor? I don't know. I, I like what he did in a lot of stuff. I think he was great in some st- some things we can talk about later, but most movies, and Belagosi's like, what, my top five watched actors, according to my letterbox profile, but uh, the majority of the movies are pieces of shit. Uh, <laughs> it's just what it is, and he doesn't do anything in them, and the biggest crime, as Sam was alluding to, is when they would bill him, give him top billing, and then give him a bit role where he doesn't do crap. Like there's like three movies I watched where Bella goes. He's a butler, and he doesn't have any role outside of legit. There's like one movie I can't remember what it was. Um, he's he's legit. A, he's a butler, he, and he just like does a butler thing in like two scenes. He doesn't like do anything sinister. He's like here is your tea, and like, that's it. And that's to me like. They didn't do they didn't pull the shit with Karloff. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess the wheeling and dealing with Hollywood. I know Bella had his own demons and stuff like that with the drugs and everything, but I just find it really messed up. Uh, that he clearly was taken advantage of.
1: And and let's like forget, let's even forget about his latter career. Let's just fast forward 10 years to when they did the Wolfman and universal was already established as horror giants Bela gets billed, but he's just the son of the fortune teller and dies in like the first 10 minutes of the movie yeah like like we like that is to me that's borderline disrespectful <laughs> like and i know Thanks. like look look here's the thing we can differentiate here i'm sure that it was for story reasons but, I mean, you have Lagosi, and even though he now has this newfound fame in this generation, his influence back then, of course was still big because you cannot deny those box office draws um but i oh it, yeah, I really, but it really is one of the things where uh, I, I as much as we talk about like how he got dealt a shitty hand, I almost. I'm almost grateful that he did what he did, because if, I mean, let's look at this, for example, Lon Chaney Sr. was originally supposed to be Dracula. If Lon Chaney Sr. did not die when he died, we would not even know who Lugosi is, because I doubt he was going to ever get a role that was as impactful as Dracula. I'm sure he would have been working in the field. But I just I would put money on this. And he would not be this big.
0: And, you know, something must have happened. Like, and I'm sure maybe I should have done more research, like an actual good guest. But <laughs> oh, we don't um, fucking do. I was going to say there's you know. no Come research. Come on. on. Like, there's a, there's a window at <laughs> time, though, where we see Lugosi. Uh, stock drop, and it's not that he ever becomes unpopular. Like you said, you can't deny the box office drop. It's not like a Van Gogh situation where no one knew his name, and then he's appreciated later. I think people back then thought of Bela Lugosi as, oh, the horror guy, Bela Lugosi. That's very cool. That's why they used his name. It's just the studios didn't have the same faith they had in him to hitch him to more successful pictures, Um, but there's a time frame, right? So what's Dracula? Dracula's 31, uh, right, I so believe between, it's 31. Yeah. Yeah. So you got 1931. Dracula. Big deal. Frankenstein comes out. They offer him the monster role. He doesn't want to do the monster roll. Karloff gets it. Probably a bad move. But maybe not. Maybe Bella wouldn't have done as good as Boris in the role. I don't know. He didn't do as good when he had his shot, at least. But after that, right, you fast forward a few years, you get the black cat, right? The black cat's 34, right? So there is a time. Black cat Boris and Bella are billed equally, right? Clearly in 1934, there is an idea within the studios that Boris and Bella are equal, and this is like their big movie together, and we're going to make a big deal about it. That's and our first a...
1: on-screen collab too. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So you get that, What you get the Raven in 35, um, and I think the Raven in 35, you see them build together, and frankly, I think Bella actually is given a more prominent role than Boris in that one. Uh, but he basically he's playing Dracula and Boris is playing Diet Frankenstein, um, but for a five six year period, right? They're considered I think on the same level, and then at some point, and I think you could really you go to their next collab which is the Invisible Ray, which is thirty six. So even one year after, at some point, right? I think the pendulum swings. And Boris is getting the more interesting and juicier role in the combination and the better role. You, um, you have that other movie they did, the crime movie. I can't remember what it's called. I still that's the one I haven't watched. Right. That one is a Boris Karloff film with Bella has like a bit role on the side. Um, so at some point there's five years where they're equal. And then like that sixth year, something changes where they decided that Boris is the moneymaker and not Bella. And I don't really know what happened. Um, but I'm sure something that must have gone with, because I I don't think you know, there's nothing I can gauge, certainly not from the movies, but, and, but a critical opinion. I don't think people were going, oh, Bela Lugosi stinks. Like, Belagosi ruined this movie. Uh, but something had to happen where they just decided Belagosi's not our guy. Boris is. And I don't know why they would do that.
1: I My best guess would probably be because in The Invisible Ray, that's when they started to really push him as more of a sidekick because even when he was Igor in son of Frankenstein, like he was uh, arguably, I'm just going to throw this out there. He was the best performance in son of Frankenstein, like honestly, fuck everyone else. Like I was there for Igor. So, but I, but I think that once we get to the invisible Ray, it was probably one of those situations where maybe it was like, Focus group, maybe they pulled. I don't know. It was a hundred years ago, probably not. But I do think that after that, they probably did just see Legosi more as a sticky sidekick role, and that's kind of where the deterioration. Of and I'm
0: me. actually, I'm glad you brought it up too. Son of Frankenstein, by the way, thirty nine. So clearly, yeah. Lugosi's stock was still high enough, but still not. He's the tertiary character. Right. Rathbone and Karloff are more highlighted than he is. That being said, I'm glad you brought up the point about Igor because he absolutely steals the show of Southern Frankenstein. Yeah. Bell Lugosi as Igor is fantastic. Bell Lugosi as Igor, in my opinion, is the best role he's ever played. I think he does a better job than he did as Dracula, not knocking the Dracula role. Obviously, Dracula is iconic. But Bell Lugosi's Igor is awesome. He does such a good job in that movie, and that's like if when I think about who I like better, I I probably lean Boris Karloff just because he's got the better body of work. But on a on a strict basis of who has my favorite role between the two of them, I think Bell Lugosi playing Igor is the best between all of them like he that is such a good character and the only reason ghost of frankenstein is okay is because they brought (laughs) igor back
1: i was gonna say and i don't even really want to get into ghost but he really is the only reason that movie is (laughs) palatable
2: because i don't know what the fuck they were thinking with that one uh what a role i do wonder also what effect the power of like sequels has because you have Boris Karloff returning to Frankenstein more than once and Bela Lugosi did he he never played Dracula again right it was just the oh. one movie no but he only I played wonder... he only
1: played on stage dracula yeah, that was I, that was a...
2: I wonder how much of a how much of a <clears throat> impact that has just to have uh, Karloff be Frankenstein in Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein which are both incredible movies yeah. and then continue to come back to the Frankenstein role later on too. I wonder if that maybe had some kind of an impact on like the public image of him and his own popularity. I mean, it's like, who do you think people will remember more as a big superhero actor? Joaquin Phoenix, who's playing the Joker once, or Chris Evans, who played Captain America in like 30 movies. So I do wonder what kind of a, as far as like the public eye goes, if that is why he was considered more billable like he was kind of more recognizable because he played these same roles a couple of times
1: yeah and i actually think that makes a lot of sense because if we do go back to universal horror days a lot of those movies seemed to be a litmus test for who was the most popular because if you look like if you look at wolfman you look at frankenstein you look at all these movies there's been a steady rotation of actors who have played those roles. Like we've had Lon oh, you know Chaney.
2: It, actually, Bela Lugosi did play Dracula again in uh, Abbott and Costello, but that was oh, much, later. Yeah, oh, yeah. right. much, much later. oh, that's right. Yeah, okay, yeah. That was that was past the point of this like rivalry having like a winner. You know, right? And there right. has to
0: be. I think there's a story to, to him not being Dracula again.
2: I figured um, there has to be. Why I wouldn't Why wouldn't they do another Dracula movie? There has to be a reason. Because in
0: 43, he does Return of the Vampire, which is, he he literally plays Dracula. I mean, it's a different name. It's not universal. But he basically plays, that's a Dracula sequel. Mm -hmm. Like that's written essentially as a Dracula sequel. That's what it is. And he Mm -hmm. plays the character, uh, more or less. They change it so it's not Dracula. But I don't know. I think there's a story behind it because there is Dracula sequels. There's like Son of Dracula with Lon Chaney Jr., and, uh, daughter Dracula or whatever. But I, I think there was something to him, maybe not wanting to play Dracula because Boris, um, does the Frankenstein roles a few more times, but after son of Frankenstein, he's done. He actually, he kind of like forsakes it. He keeps ending up in Frankenstein movies, like house of Frankenstein. He's there. He won't play the monster anymore, though. Frankenstein, 1970. He's in that won't play the monster. Um, but I mean, I think part of Bell's problem was I think there was a difficulty in the beginning because uh, I o- I do know the famous story that Bell goes. wouldn't play Frankenstein's monster. They offered him because he thought the role was below him. There wasn't enough talking, which may have been a big mistake on his part. Obviously, very good for Boris Karloff. Um, so I don't know. There could be some of, some of him not wanting to do some roles, and that might have kind of hamstrung him. I don't
2: know. You do also have Karloff playing like another one of like what would be almost considered like the Mount Rushmore of Universal Monsters characters in the mummy.
0: Yep. That's true. Yeah.
2: But that, I don't know if that's part of it too, but it's like you you look at that list of like the most iconic Universal Monsters and two of them are Boris Karloff.
1: Yeah, and and like I was saying earlier, I really think the studio was just performing a bunch of litmus tests with this because they were rotating actors into different monster roles mm-hmm. like Karloff was playing a bunch of monsters. Lon Chaney Jr. Another tragic story was playing a bunch of monsters. So I think they were just like throwing shit to the wall and seeing what stuck. And I think Karloff, because he got billed in so many of the top roles. He was in all these sequels that he just managed to make it out a lot cleaner.
2: Yeah. And I wonder even just like visually, I mean, Boris Karloff has a very distinct, like grim looking face, not that Bela Lugosi didn't, but I feel like Karloff almost more did, which would kind of like lean him towards more big like monster movies and horror roles, whereas Lugosi kind of has like sharper features and like, which again are something we associate with Dracula forever. So it's just another thing kind of in like now looking back it's what makes him so iconic but maybe then was part of like the typecasting a little bit whereas karloff would kind of lend his face to a wider variety of characters i i feel like
1: and i think yeah I th- no, that's a good yeah. point and i i think to add to that i think the heavy hungarian accent probably <laughs> probably worried the studio Because listening to Karloff speak, in my opinion, is kind of like smooth butter. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) Lugosi, I do not hate his voice, but I believe the studio was probably turned off to the idea of him starring in big roles with that heavy accent when they thought maybe there was a lack of diversity despite his wonderful stage career. Mm Because the voice, Everything is the voice, you know. It's it's well, it's like half the face, but then it's the voice, you know. Especially yeah, when you're in roles like that. Yeah. I
2: mean, and, I do uh, wonder also at the time, like Boris Karloff's British and uh Lugosi is Hungarian. Like maybe, yeah. maybe a little bit of it was like a little bit of a xenophobia kind of thing. Like he's is, he is more quote unquote foreign to the average like, American viewer than Karloff, who's British. So I wonder if that was a factor. I mean, looking at the time period, it wouldn't shock me.
1: Yeah, I, I 100% think that that could be a thing.
0: And going back to Blake's other point, too, like I said, like, it is almost the biggest curse was the Dracula thing because no matter what you watch, you're seeing Dracula. Mm -hmm. Bela Lugosi looks a certain way. He's very distinct in how he looks. He's very distinct in how he sounds. And even Igor, which I do love that role. Like, it's the Dracula guy. Like, no one is going to sit there and be like, this isn't Dracula. This is Dracula doing a role. Dracula is acting as Igor. Like, Bela Lugosi is almost, he's Sonata. He is Dracula in a way. Boris Karloff is not Frankenstein. Right. Boris Koloff is a great Frankenstein monster, obviously, but he is not Frankenstein. You see him in another movie, you don't go, that's Frankenstein. He's someone else, and he can be, and he was good at it. And maybe be- maybe there is a thing. Maybe Bela Lugosi, I mean, maybe, I haven't seen it. He, he's not great at not being Bela Lugosi. He gets the closest with Igor, but he's still Bela Lugosi. Um, and Boris can, you know, he could be whatever he really needed to be. Uh and maybe being in a like you said, being in a mask in his first appearance, right? When he was gonna come again with the mummy, totally different dude, totally different monster. And then once he kind of earned his name, I guess you know, he did a few monsters, he stops being monsters. The Boris Karloff's early career is monster, 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 makeup, 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 makeup. Clearly, at some point, Boris Karloff's like, I don't want to be in fucking makeup anymore. And he says, I'm not gonna do it. And Boris Karloff plays pretty much exclusively through the end of his career, just regular humans, sometimes the bad guys, and oftentimes, very oftentimes, the good guy, which is interesting considering, all oh, horror actors always have to be evil. Mm-hmm. He plays good guy a lot, whereas Bell Lugosi does get afforded the roles where he can play like a, a nicer guy, like, you know, in The Vampire Bat, for example, you know, before he reveals he's sinister, he's just a regular, like, dude, he's a nice businessman. But it just—he—he's just Dracula. Like no matter what he's doing, even when he's acting nice, he's Dracula. Where compare Boris Karloff and like the old dark house, the corridors of blood, Boris Karloff, and it's—that those are different characters.
1: Night and day, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) for sure. It's
2: kind of like I said before. It's at the end of the day, Dracula is so defined by Bela Lugosi. Frankenstein is defined by Jack Pierce's makeup, not necessarily Boris Karloff. Yeah, I agree. Which ended up working to his advantage.
1: Not when he had to sit in the chair for like twelve hours yeah. a day. <laughs> I mean, I I I I actually feel bad for what Carl had to go through because yeah, he had to two times a day he sat in the chair for three hours. So like we're talking like probably six hours total. And then the boots he wears in the movies weigh like fifty pounds. And then like he's probably sweating his ass off. And he doesn't
2: want to do it anymore. (laughs) But you know what's so funny? Speaking of that, like before when I was kind of like researching the two of them, I was like, I wonder what their like height difference was because Boris Karloff seems like he's a huge dude and Bella Lugosi doesn't really seem that big. Bella Lugosi was taller than Boris Karloff.
3: Yeah. Which is pretty funny because
2: Karloff has much more of like this imposing figure, I feel like. Well, I think Lugosi towards
1: the end of his life probably shrank a little because i (laughs) i because because i saw a a final they claim it was like the final interview of him and i i think sadly enough he was like getting out of rehab and they Mm -hmm. were interviewing him and he looked from memory he looked short and i was like wait
3: is that
2: (laughs) yeah yeah i just i just thought it was weird like i think of boris karloff as being so much bigger than him and he he was Uh, not
1: (laughs) oh yeah because like literally in stature you you would think that it's yeah t- <laughs> but yeah i do want to very quickly bring up the movie ed wood because mm-hmm. well so obviously like the studios started to after after they were in a bunch of these movies together and then after the waning career lugosi and karoff went on and it seemed like between this time period from what I understand, there were rumors being spread around of a rivalry to actually increase ticket sales. And I remember years ago, um Sarah Karloff, the daughter of Boris and bella Jr, obviously the son of Bela, were both on podcasts or whatever, or just interviewed. and and yeah, they were just talk they were basically just talking about how, well no there wasn't a feud like they (laughs) like uh lugosi had his own shit Karloff has it has it had his own shit. but they because they were around for a little bit they they saw like what the studios were doing um and especially like bella lugosi's son is basically the reason that we have likeness laws in hollywood now because he became a lawyer and after his father passed away, the studio kept trying to use his likeness uh, for merchants, movies and shit. And he was like, no. And I'm pretty sure he lost the first case. And then he went on to somehow win. And now the Lagosi state estate is so airtight that Blake here can't <laughs> I was even gonna make say, I- <laughs> Blake I
2: have I have encountered
1: them. Blake can't even make a parody shirt <laughs> with half of his likeness on it yes, without receiving a cease. It is distress. true.
2: I am curious. What early on do you know? Like what? What he was like fighting against? What was this? What were the studios doing that was so like? Egregious? I don't
1: really know the circumstances. My best guess is they were probably. Airing movies, whether it's like at art house forums or or bigger bigger studios, they probably were like trying to build like top bill him again and use him on posters and shit to get crowds in. Like maybe, oh, the Return of Lugosi, or oh, like Lugosi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think my understanding
0: is just basically, yeah. you know, the Bella Lugosi gave so much to Universal, and and they never stopped marketing mm-hmm. Dracula. Yeah and essentially universal would consistently use the likeness and images of lugosi for their marketing purposes with universal monsters yet the lugosi estate never saw a cent of it meanwhile your father died in you know basically poverty right And uh, you know he was struggling up to his death to make ends meet and you know i, I think it just changed the rules basically so I'm like you know what actors get to make money off their likenesses they don't just do one movie and then poof and then you lose everything like you can if they're going to use you you should make money off it that's mm-hmm. my understanding
2: and isn't you probably crazy? talk about
0: Karloff today
2: <sighs> nah <Yeah. laughs> well, I was just going to say isn't it crazy how like it seems like in Hollywood they're still kind of ha- fighting these same battles I mean look at all the shit with Justice League and the, the actor um who played Cyborg is still in like this huge battle with the studio and like all of these like the way that they're treated and stuff and it's meanwhile the studio is like trying to sell these movies with your likeness and things like that it's crazy how that battle never really like ended still going on yeah
1: yeah um i did so i just want to i just want to bring up edward real quick because first of all fantastic movie but like i was saying earlier because the studio or people in the inner workings of that machinery were trying to spread small rumors about this feud to to gain more revenue um then we have ed wood coming out which martin landau plays bela lugosi in his which is an incredible performance which by the way yeah i mean it's no secret why he won awards i mean it it was it was amazing yeah i mean uh,
2: that ed wood is tim burton's best movie in my opinion so if you haven't seen it even if you don't like tim burton it's not very tim burtony if any part of this conversation has been interesting you should watch edward
1: yes i agree um but i personally believe that with this movie it it almost reignited the rivalry conversation um and especially like there's that there's that great scene where lugosi is he's either taking a break from filming or he's about to film and he's on set and there's this random worker kid who comes up to him and asks him for an autograph. And Legosi's beside himself, he's like, Yes, of course. And he like grabs the pad. And as he's signing, he's like, You were gee, Mr. Legosi, you were great as Karloff sidekick in the invisible ray. And and Landau just stops what he's doing, and goes, Karloff, sidekick, fuck you. <laughs> And like that, like, first of all, iconic scene. But I think that the portrayal of how he approached Karloff as a person in the movie really kind of got people talking like, oh, wait, this must mean that they were rivals. And he's saying he doesn't deserve to smell his shit. What's going on? Which, by the way, Bela Lugosi's son, to no shock at all, absolutely hates this movie. Because it is an inaccurate portrayal of his father. And it's like, well, first of all, no shit there's going to be embellishment. Like, we're selling dramatics here. And second of all, we, we base everything in fiction is based possibly on some semblance of truth. So, like, there was probably
2: this professional jealousy. And then, yeah, they blew it out of proportion. But it's- it would also take his criticism with a grain of salt i mean there's a little bit of bias in the fact that it's his literal father that they're talking about so. yeah no, but it, to well, be course.
0: fair i i it, to be fair all the lugosi uh, camp of the kids and even the karloff's daughter and all them they've all pretty much agree that like they never really there was no rivalry it didn't exist and there wasn't really any bad blood whatsoever they were always cordial and friendly with each other they weren't friends but they were they never had a problem yeah and i think it is a little frustrating and if i was bella lugosi's kid i'd be mad too that the basic pop culture legacy of your father <laughs> as a person is that he's jealous of boris karloff <laughs> (laughs) And because Boris Kov is better than. And I'm sure there was maybe a little professional jealousy in the sense that, man, I wish I could get the roles. Karloff, got. I could just be just a good actor. But it never manifested into anything. I don't think mean spirited. And Mm -hmm. the stuff that it did, like Sam was saying, was purposefully kind of played up and faked by studios uh, as a rivalry that was never there. And both sides, kids and everyone has said they've never had an issue with each other ever. So it, I, I get I get why I would I would be annoyed about that too because it does not make Bellocchio look like a great dude.
2: No, that movie does not make him look good at all. So no, it looks like a crotchety old man, and and they right. and they kind but of. Who knows? Some of that might have been true. Well, I don't know that yeah. I'm going to trust his son necessarily. To paint the most accurate picture of his father i am sure there is a level of truth to it
1: especially considering the fact that lugosi dealt with a terrible addiction right and when you're talking about addiction there's a lot of mental and physical trauma that accompanies that so you get all this and you mix it in a big pot with his career and i'm sure there was low-grade animosity there mm-hmm. i mean it's just Facts of life. You know? I would
0: like to think of it more as I'm sure toward the end of his career, Bela Lugosi was frustrated about where he was, for and sure. it was it was less it was less about Karloff as a person and like being frustrated with Karloff and hating Karloff it was more. Bellegosi probably was upset with his position, but he wasn't necessarily mad at Karloff for having a better one. Right. Uh, yeah. I think that would probably be the more uh, the more accurate not hollywood way of looking at it <laughs> yeah no i, I but it I'm does totally also make a it makes a great scene in ed wood yeah <laughs> so, i mean uh,
1: i mean getting to hear fellow goes and say fuck you what carl does not deserve to smell my shit it's just <laughs> it's just a
0: plus and landau is great i mean yeah yeah he does
2: i'm um, surprised there hasn't been like full-on like biopics of either of them I wonder if maybe there there is uh, actually uh, I,
0: I, oh. the Karloff one's running in theaters right now.
2: Really? I didn't know. Well,
0: that I one. don't know if wait, I don't mean, know biopic? if that's a biopic. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I, no. I didn't. Yeah, I meant documentary. Yeah, um,
1: oh, uh, I, I that's, that's I, a completely I, different
0: form of media. Sorry,
1: I would never <laughs> I would never ever in a million years um, tell you to expect a Lugosi one. It as long as his son is alive, it will never happen. Right. right. It, it cannot happen. It's the same shit as Bruce Lee. The mm-hmm. Bruce Lee estate is one of the most notoriously locking key held estates known to man. Like, if you even go on their Instagram and try to say one bad word, you're getting a knock at your door.
0: They, I preserve... was how
2: Tarantino pulled that off with one spontaneous um, Hollywood. I don't because know. it
0: was uh, <laughs> there are laws with public figures and likenesses yeah, where you yeah. can use them. Um, so I don't know. I, it's, I'm just it's, surprised they didn't it's like. It's a gray area. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, but, and I mean, I'm sure because like he makes Bruce know, Lee look pretty bad in that movie. Yeah. Oh, they they brought, were
0: pissed. They were pissed. Yeah. The estate was yeah. mad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well. Well. Okay. And and we, I I do want to just talk about this real quick, and we'll move on. The thing that bothers me about that is like it's pretty much on public record that Bruce Lee was cocky like it is not a secret and when he um who's the actual stuntman in real life that i forget his fucking name obviously not the one in the movie but there was there was like this real life stunt man and and i like i remember hearing that he challenged bruce lee to a fight he pretty much acted in a similar way and just a couple other things and then like his widow just denies it all and it just comes across as like really sketchy. Now, of course, nobody likes to speak ill of the dead or think of them in that fashion. But to me, like what they did with Terrent, like what Tarantino did with Bruce Lee's portrayal, uh, versus like what they did with Ed Wood and Legosi, it's completely different because with Bruce Lee, it's believable to me because he was kind of that person. He was he was a great athlete he was a great martial artist he was a big box office star but he was cocky and that's all he was showing in the movie and it's like i get you're pissed at it but (laughs) you know it's just your legacy you're trying to preserve
0: we're on a tangent now but i guess (laughs) my my take on it is like without even going with the two sides i just felt like the scene was so insignificant because it was a movie it was a small scene in a movie not about bruce lee that i never took as an authority on bruce lee so like to me it came and went and even if i on a personal level don't necessarily agree with the caricature that Tarantino presented i don't know to me it's such a small dumb little part of the movie that it's like okay this this will not i don't think that's gonna have any pop culture impact on who bruce right. lee is as a person right But at the end of the day yeah, it's, yeah.
2: it's a movie about brad pitt stopping the manson murder so i don't know how much people yeah. are gonna really this, it really it like it
1: really really shouldn't even be a conversation but that yeah but this, but this just it is just interesting point. as
2: far as likenesses go
1: yeah it just proves my point though is that like these people preserve their estates so like in in such an Anal way that this is what ends up happening, and and yeah, mm-hmm. so so I mean, I'd love to see biopics of both of them. I could see it with Karloff. I, there's no shot they're doing it with Lugosi I, I can't see. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I do want to move on to our favorite performances by them and i want to start with karloff because i do feel like we have not really talked this has about- been the Lugosi. this has
0: legitimately <laughs> been a Lugosi episode
2: well legosi is episode. arguably a lot more had a more interesting life to discuss in this way so i mean I that understand.
1: that is also true i yeah. mean it, it is in a fucked up uh Twisted tango of his life—that is yeah. kind of the events that transpired. He's right? the
0: tragic figure, so
1: exactly.
2: Are you... Yeah,
1: yeah, he is. He is and...
2: the tragic old Hollywood figure. Yeah, that, but um, on that's a become inspiration for so many characters and portrayals of old Hollywood that it's hard not to like get hung up on him.
0: But on a acting level, since we're transitioning to him, I mean, Carloff is undeniable, right? Like you gotta, even if I say maybe Bella didn't get the shot to act the way he needed to act. Boris Karloff, man, an absolute legend. Right, mm-hmm. Not just for the account of whatever, like a legit great actor. And it sometimes makes me sad, talking about Bella Lagosi not getting opportunities and things like that. I'm not going to say Karloff didn't get opportunities, because he definitely got more. He was definitely prominently featured, and I think definitely more respected. But this is a dude that, in my opinion, if given the right roles and given more dramatic material to work with and wasn't just locked in the horror, like Oscar level Oscar level actor. And I, I don't say that, you know, facetiously. I truly think this man is at the caliber of Academy Award winning actors. Mm-hmm. And the only reason the only thing that held him back was that, you know, he's playing monsters and he's playing mad doctors and horror movies. And that was never going to get there. But what an actor. What a freaking talent. He's awesome.
1: Yeah. And obviously, it's kind of one of those things where yeah like we could start with frankenstein but i kind of want to i want to start with the old dark house because um and this is another collaboration between karloff and james whale like in frankenstein and he plays a mute butler in this and aside from the film just being filled with a lot of unsettling imagery that makes it effectively scary karloff and i know a lot of people are probably gonna say well, he did the same shit as Frankenstein, but because he's a mute butler in this, all he's doing is groaning and reacting to to the head of the house. But to me, it was so unnerving the way he went about it that I actually really i I definitely put this up there with a top performance. And, and you know, like I said, it, it's kind of silly to think because it's like, oh well, I mean, he did the shit in Frankenstein, but he did it better. But in my opinion, I think the impact of that in the old dark house personally is is a a little more effective to me i think it's definitely on my list in top five performances
0: yeah that's a neat thing with karloff too you have to give him credit for is like his early career is defined by those mutish monster roles but it's pretty cool that as a role where he in frankenstein one he says nothing they grunt they groan, he is good and it's clearly like he's elevating those monster roles past what they could be because karloff's a better frankenstein than any other frankenstein monster it's the truth i mean like what's his name glenn strange is that is that's his name
3: mm-hmm. glenn strange?
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like ken Strange's fine i like glenn strange he's not as good as boris he's just not um there's yeah. something that 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 speaks to boris's ability that even in his silent roles where he's a beast and a monster he he breathed so much life into them and i think your point too like yeah frankenstein we could talk about forever we don't have to but uh old dark house right another frankenstein-esque role but he's he's the highlight in many ways
1: Yeah, yeah i think i think so for sure um
2: yeah i mean i think at the end of the day like both of these guys kind of created in in many ways and not just them the studios too and the directors but the reason that horror movies are have been and still are taken seriously is because you had truly talented people making them from the start. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, these are this is the beginning of horror as we know it. It's the beginning of modern horror. So, to have like these really high caliber actors playing monster roles is important and it kind of is what created the genre as we know it. And obviously, later on horror gets a little bit more ridiculous, especially in like the eighties and stuff. But for a long time, like horror was taken really seriously. And it's because of people like Boris Karloff, who could, who could pull off these crazy performances that like require so much talent that you don't, you won't even necessarily think require this much talent. If that makes sense. I do any miss sense.
0: that era. I, I mean, I miss an era. I was, I have nostalgia for something I wasn't alive for,
3: mm-hmm. but
0: I miss how horror movies really were defined not by bad actors which they were the 70s 80s onward modern day horror movies are defined by crappy actors bad right. dialogue cheesy but back then the horror the main people heart with these classically trained actors people had like shakespearean backgrounds like mm-hmm. you know Lagosi's from the stage Boris Karloff, a classically trained actor. Fast forward, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee are like classically trained Shakespearean actors. Vincent Price, right? There was a pedigree of people who were in these horror movies that really made them great. I wish we could get back to that. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: I think it's getting there in in many ways with a lot of modern horror movies. Nowadays, obviously, you're going to have the influence of all of these decades, so there will always be silly, ridiculous horror movies, but I think we're getting back to the point where horror is being taken seriously and you're getting like real actors quote unquote real actors like kind of accepting roles in the genre and and taking it seriously again yeah just like just like you know people like karloff and and bella lugosi did
1: yeah for sure i think that um especially we're talking about like how they play it so seriously uh the black cat uh is definitely up there for me too um i know i know james you i think i think with this film it it, you suffered personally from maybe overhyped syndrome but um i think that the black cat is crazy in many regards because number one it's their first on-screen collaboration which is impressive enough number two the story is bat shit insane like <laughs> there's so many layers to the story like Lagosi plays a doctor and then you find out like the doctor um no i'm sorry uh Koff plays this architect too you find out that the architect um is like the leader of a satanic cult uh and then there's even like a skinning scene at the end of the movie yeah yeah that's pretty- and, and, and and like all of the all of this horrific imagery the satanic symbolism actual skinning like and this was around the time that the Hayes code was implemented so uh, to me to have these like classically trained actors in this role matching wits like this but also having it being scary and suspenseful is the kind of shit i love and like to what you said i want to see a resurgence of that like that is insane what they did in that movie, and that's 1934 that's almost a hundred years ago. <laughs>
0: Black Cat kills me as a movie since you brought it up, right because i don't I don't love Black cat, and I, I think because narratively speaking it's an absolute train wreck like the story doesn't hold the narrative is way too rushed, and things are just happening, and it's not in a weird like you know uh you know weird existentially movie way it's just a badly told story, which ruins it. But what I love about the Black Cat is holy moly! If there's one movie that is like Lugosi and Karloff, it's that. That's the first time, and the only, in my opinion, the only time they are given two roles to be together, and they're able to play off each other and be amazing in. their are characters in that are awesome, right? That was that's the that's the Lugosi Karloff movie. I wish. To me, narratively speaking, it worked better because that would probably be my favorite universal horror movie if they were able to pull it off better. But performance wise, that's the movie. The movie is Lugosi and Karloff matching wits in many ways, uh, like you were saying before, kind of. And and they're great in it. I mean, if you haven't seen the black cat, anyone out there, especially Karloff in that movie, plays a really cool character, like the the menace that he just the presence he has, who's not a monster, by the way. Right. Now he's just a human, but the presence he's got and the way he he's there, he, he's awesome. Glagosi gets to play more of a good guy. It's kind of funny that they picked, you know, Lugosi is the hero in a lot of these matchups, or uh, more of a hero in comparison. Um he, he does a great job too. That movie is one of their best performances, both of them. I just don't like a lot of aspects of the movie.
1: Yeah and and i think after um black cat i'd probably say second favorite would be like the raven because um to me yeah i guess like your issues with the plot in the black cat i think are probably a little more resolved in the raven uh i i personally think that like you still have this great battle of wits but in the raven it's very much more like just them playing significantly lessened versions of themselves, yeah. Which like it does work to to me, but but then it, it does kind of leave you asking, like, well, what if? Um, and, and and like the and just real quick side note between Black Hat and Raven, and then in the '60s with the Corman Poe movies, let's just, let's just give it up for all the the Poe influence. With these horror actors. I mean, it really like like all these guys have been in an abundance of Poe adaptations. And I think a lot of them just it's such a beautiful collaboration to me. Something just works with it. So with Black uh Black Cat and Raven, like I like I haven't like read the stories or anything, but I they're think that they're
0: not even remotely like they're not even remotely similar to the Poe <laughs> ones.
1: Okay, well well then fuck me but um but i'm sure the influence is still there uh weaker selection arguably but i think that to me atmosphere is there even if it means they touched on a moving train the source material <laughs> but
0: yeah i mean it's more of yeah i think love, the vibe is there the, yeah, vibe, I was the vibe say, is the vibe there.
2: I think it's more of using it as a selling point for like this is like a gothic horror story cuz people kind of know that that's what Poe is like this is that kind of feel if, even if it's not the actual story.
1: Yes. And that I and that like translates the- like even if you're talking 30s or 60s it translates in the same way, which I love that consistency. Mm
3: mm-hmm. Mhm.
0: Yeah, I do like the Raven. I find what you said, though, the Raven doesn't feel like for finally having a team up. It feels like this very safe movie. It's like the same old thing. Legosi basically plays a mad scientist. Dracula, dude, Frankenstein. Boris plays kind of like a Frankensteiny guy. And it's fine but almost kind of like a totally different movie and time period. But like the escape plan with Arnold and Stallone, you finally get Arnold Stallone together for a movie. And like, it's not bad. Like when you get they're basically the thing, but like, you kind of hope for more, which I think the Raven starts to get at, but whatever. I think the invisible Ray is hardly a team up. I don't even like talking about that one. Yeah. Um, I,
1: I don't really. Yeah. And Black Friday,
0: I haven't seen. Black Friday, they're not even on screen together. Um, But uh, my favorite uh, Karloff role, which is technically a team up with Lugosi, but it's not really, is the Body Snatcher. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the Body Snatcher, but he plays, um, and I don't say this lightly, I think probably one of the most underrated villain performances in a movie. He plays a character named John Gray, who's like a grave robber. And Karloff as that bad guy is great. It's, it's my, fav- my personal favorite performance Karloff's put out. I think it's a great character. I think the character deserves a lot more credit in pop culture. I wish he went down more significantly because he plays a great villain. Lugosi, sadly, plays a bit role. Um, he has a very small role as a victim, Later on, doesn't really get to play off him. So it's really the Karloff show. I don't even know if Legosi's a build on the poster, honestly. Um, but that role is awesome. It's not my favorite team up. If you have to ask my favorite team up, I'd probably say The Raven because that's them playing off each other the best. I think the best movie with them together, actually in a significant roles, I guess is The Raven, but I don't want to write home about it. But the best movie, I think, where they're both in it, is body snatcher but that's really a karloff movie Lugosi's just there
1: well i will say that the one thing that sells me on the raven is lugosi disfiguring karloff's face Yeah, <laughs> i think that that is a selling point for me yeah. it's like we oh, have, good we have the black cat he's skinning and then in raven we're disfiguring i love it um but yeah i'll say and i think i think you know my favorite Karloff performance. It, it would be Corridors of Blood, um, which is a very obscure movie and my father showed it to me. And that that's just going to be the name of this podcast, by the way. Uh, my dad showed me. Um, <laughs> we got to get him on. But, but this one is great because it's more of a psychological horror movie and it deals with addiction and substance abuse. Uh, basically, he plays a surgeon and this is, this is pre anesthetic days like there was there was no there was no way to knock people out for surgery so he's performing surgery in the 1800s while people are still alive and he's in his lab trying to concoct ways to to achieve like an aesthetic and because of all the testing he's doing on himself he inadvertently becomes addicted to to the substances he's using which is like 80 percent opium And through the movie, he's unable to perform his duties as a surgeon and he's becoming very lackadaisical. He's in a dreamlike state. He can't function properly. And more and more, he's constantly going into his lab. He's spilling beakers, trying to get his hands on more and more and more. And it's more of a psychological study and the real terror of addiction and the effects around you. Uh, And then, of course, it also features a very baby-faced uh Christopher Lee
0: yeah he gets to play a character named Resurrection Joe
1: (laughs) yeah who who really is not seen too much in the movie but they try to play him off as like the main antagonist but um quarters of blood to me and I've talked about this many times on the show horror to me is so effective when it is not surface level like with Karloff in this role, it, it like what scared me is how it so easily he was able to he went from like top surgeon to just bomb of the barrel fucking addict. And he got thrown out of the hospital he worked at. People in the town were against him. And then like he has this face-off at the end. And I just think it's crazy, like all of this manipul self-manipulation and mutilation and and how it could really affect with the human psyche um i mean i love horror in general but this to me because he didn't he wasn't hiding behind a mask this was all basically like a stage performance it almost plays out like a play and and i think that's like where i would have loved to see him on stage and lugosi too because i think they would have fucking killed it and ironically enough um there's a joke in Arsenic and Old Lace, the Frank Capra movie, about one of the characters looking like uh, Boris Karloff. But ironically, he, he was in the stage play of Arsenic and Old Lace, and the reason he wasn't in the movie is because he was doing the play. Um, but just quick side note. But I think Corridors of Blood has to be my favorite because it's just it's him and the camera. There's no makeup. There's no knife. There's no disfigurement. It's fucking him, and I'm here for all of it. I eat it all up.
0: And that's a good point I about Karloff, right? It, I, that <clears throat> Karloff, like *Carter's of Blood, is the Karloff show. Where it's like, this is a guy who can act so well that he will carry this movie on his back. Whereas opposed to other movies and horror, maybe a lot of Legosi stuff, it's like, this movie has a gimmick, this movie has a hook, and we need our little character actor in here. Like, Karloff, oftentimes, he himself is the gimmick. It's not the mute, like, you know, the, you know, corridors of blood is the selling points, not the, the, the theme. It's someone is Boris Karloff is going to be in this horror movie. He's going to give you a performance and it's good enough, whatever. And uh, also to his varied. Boris Karloff and of blood, kind of a good guy role too. So, you know, we, we're not talking about bad guys all the time, which we usually would
2: think of with horror. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. So that, that probably be my favorite
2: performance. I think for me, it's probably no secret I have it tattooed on my arm. It's yes, Brian the Frank. wolf it's man. Like <laughs> I don't think I need to go into too much detail about that. It's pretty obvious that's my favorite. Whoa. But that's also, It's also hard because that's just the movie in general, not necessarily like performance by performance. Um, it's easier for me to just say like what my favorite movies that they're in are obviously both frankenstein movies i also am a huge fan of the mummy which we didn't talk about too much
0: but yeah i love him in the mummy that's a good yeah. point which yeah, that that one also, was good yeah yeah
2: he gets to show off his actual acting in that too it's not he's in makeup for a lot of the movie but it's not the whole movie which is kind of unique which is kind of more comparable to dracula than maybe frankenstein is you know like those kind of are more similar roles than the classic like dracula versus Frankenstein comparison. Yeah, it definitely
1: felt more balanced. and It was kind of like a taste of what was to come in the later career of yeah. um, Karloff. Um, and but it's I, also
2: just mm-hmm. interesting to see him outside of the setting of like a castle or a haunted house. You know, like it's, it's a different kind of movie. Like, sure. just as far as the like aesthetic of it. So that's kind of interesting as well.
1: Yeah, um, and you mentioned Brian of Frankenstein and I would say like that that's definitely in my top five favorite horror of all time.
2: Yeah, and, I would say I, it's the best
1: Universal Monster movie. I don't yeah, think there's monster I, movie. I I think that is just it's not only one of the best sequels, it's just one of the best horror movies ever. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's literally like, where else do you see Frankenstein puffing on a cigar and
2: smoking a ciggy
1: and and, and imbibing <laughs> the blood of Christ? yeah, but, that, yeah. that
2: movie, that
0: movie, wait, like, there's not a second wasted in that movie. It's just yeah, no, it's there's just, not. It, <laughs> they nailed it. Uh, yeah. The only mm-hmm. reason people don't, the only reason you wouldn't like Bride of Frankenstein is because you're so familiar with all the parodies of Bride of Frankenstein yeah. that you think it's lame. Like, oh, it's boring. It's so predictable. But I'm like, no, this is just, they just did it first, but it's
2: that good. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate and I do think it. still holds up. Yeah, and I appreciate
1: like I appreciate the directs. It's probably one of the earliest movies that has a direct continuation from the first. I mean, he's he's like he comes back. He's burnt up, which reflects in the outfit and the makeup, which I always thought was really fucking cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, let's. Yeah, move over MCU. The Universal Horror <laughs> Movies was the first one to do the shared universe. <laughs> like, it is true. Is, there wrong. is long-term storytelling. They do the sequels, and then the Wolfman freaking crosses over with Frankenstein, and they take the Wolfman and goes to Frankenstein and put it together. There is That is a shared universe, baby. That that's my
1: oh shout out shared universe podcast studio dude you <laughs> really you really fucking nailed it like fuck the
2: mc <laughs> they it's tried universe, to bring it back and they failed miserably so yeah I
0: mean the dark universe was a very horrible version of what they already did but <laughs> I mean they they thought I mean it's, it, it's it's a shame that House of Frankenstein House of Dracula kind of suck as movies I mean they're not the worst but they're not great that they just basically at a certain point were like what if we just put all these dudes together. <laughs> we just put all of them in the movie, and they didn't even try to be like, "Yeah, hey, let's just make a new movie." They're like, "Yeah, you know what? What was the last thing they did? We're gonna make, we're gonna make sure they all meet somehow." Mm-hmm. Even though the Wolfman and Frankenstein technically should have been like two hundred years apart, <laughs> uh, but suddenly, <laughs> suddenly Frankenstein got warped real late into history. <laughs> also, um, they cut out all of Belagosi's dialogue in that in Frank Wolfman meets frankenstein so uh it actually (laughs) doesn't make any sense yeah which by the way i'm sure a lot of people know this um if anyone's listening to me um but the whole frankenstein walking with his hands out is from that movie because at the end of ghost and frankenstein spoiler belagosi's mind's Igor's mind put in the Frankenstein's body, but he's blinded and then he kind of dies. But then in the next one, Wolfman meets Frankenstein, he's resurrected, but he's still blind. But since they cut out all the dialogue that Bela Lugosi's Frankenstein monster had, there is no indication in the movie that Frankenstein is blind, but he is walking and acting as if he is blind. And, um, and that is why people do this with Frankenstein walking.
1: Yeah. It's, it is so interesting how this one weird entry in this franchise from 100 years ago dictates the characterization of the
2: sky. <laughs> what do we say when we we're talking about Halloween yeah. kills? Editing is important. Editing,
1: editing is, in Evil this case, tonight. it's monumental.
2: <laughs> Evil dies tonight.
0: You do die. It was so cool that they did that. They like smashed the monster. Even if it didn't work. Like, yeah, I don't. I just watched yeah. Frankenstein meets uh, Wolfman or whatever the thing is. It's not a great movie, and I think a lot of it's because they cut it out. But the last like two minutes of the movie is just the Wolfman and Frankenstein fighting. Spoiler, sorry. Um, and it's awesome. And I, yeah. I like had that movie at like two and a half stars, whatever. And then I'm like, I'm gonna bump that up to uh three, three and a half because uh that last two minutes. That's all I wanted. I wanted the, the wolf kicks the wolf man's like drop kicking Frankenstein's monster, and I'm like, I'm glad that someone is like the 30s or 40s, and someone's like, this is what the people want to see, and uh-huh. it's true.
1: Yeah, proto proto James.
0: Without yeah. without House of Frankenstein, there is no Avengers.
1: <laughs> Honestly, Drew. <laughs> <my> End game. <laughs> um. So, kind of. Uh, Kind of like a a natural stepping stone question. I'm curious to see what you guys think about like the future of this, of this, like of like this third universal horror reboot because like, you know, we had (laughs) the invisible man. Now we're going to have Wolfman, the dark verse. And I'm wondering like how that Wolfman movie is going to be. What do you guys think?
2: I hope that they're not going to waste their time going for the cinematic universe thing. It's been proven time and again, That it's not going to happen. If if Marvel pulled it off, DC could not pull it off. I don't know why you think that Universal Monsters could pull it off. But I think, yeah, I think Invisible Man was a great movie, standalone movie. So I hope Mm -hmm. that it's just a good standalone movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've done so many Wolfman movies. They did the Benicio del Toro one.
1: (laughs) They did, yeah, yeah. So
2: they they've been doing a lot of Wolfman movies. So it'll be it'll be difficult for it to be original but you know there's some i mean werewolf stories are endless there's so many good ones so i yeah
0: i would like to think they learned they they probably didn't but i'd like to think they learned their lesson with the dark universe because the dark universe I think failed and I they have to acknowledge that it failed. And I think a lot of the reason it's failed is because I think they misunderstood the appeal of these monsters and the appeal of these horror movies. And it is that they are horror movies. Not necessarily scary like by today's standards, not terrifying. But you know that's what people like about these monsters, not just that they exist. And I feel the dark verse movies that we had like Dracula untold, right? That was the dark verse. Mm-hmm. That was the first one. and then uh the Tom Cruise mummy, they were less of a horror movie and more of an action adventure movie, and they had that like one promotional shot of all the guys sitting around the table, and it just felt. Like they were trying to do a horror MCU. Yeah. And I think that was a bad move. And frankly, the only reason the shared universal monster universe is even sort of okay is because it wasn't supposed to be shared. They clearly just, uh, after the fact, they're like, well, that was time together. Um, so I think this new wave, I have a lot of hopes for. Because I think with the success of the Invisible Man which is a completely standalone legitimate horror movie and a very good movie. I mean, I yeah. think you guys both like it as well. I do. But yeah. I very much liked it. Um, I think now there is the inkling that maybe if we just give these properties to people who are passionate about them and let them make a horror movie, um, hopefully we're going to get something good out of it. And then, and only then, and only a big, maybe and I'm not even saying it should happen. After you've made these movies without any intention of time together, if you want to do some mental gymnastics and do a crossover down the line and make something like Alien vs. Predator, Alien and Predator was never supposed to cross over. And I don't even like the Alien vs. Predator movies, but in concept I do. Right. But that do that. Freddy versus Jason. Right. Uh, they, after a million movies, not dealing with each other, let's figure a way to bring them together. I think that should be their approach. But yeah.
2: Yeah. that's the thing yeah. that's why they failed you have to build up the appeal of crossing over before you decide you're going to cross over like they made freddie versus jason because for years people wanted to see freddie versus jason you can't just introduce this random new mummy character and expect people to be like oh i can't wait to see when she faces off against the wolf man like I, why would i care about that i don't know who these characters are i don't care about them
0: and uh, can we spoil on that movie? Or we, we? I didn't
2: see it, and I will never see it. So <laughs> go for Sam, it.
0: I said, we can spoil yeah. on that yeah. No, nah, I don't care. So the end of that movie is Tom Cruise's character basically becomes the mummy and absorbs the mummy powers. So my interpretation of it was Tom Cruise is going to be like a, a Captain America-esque mummy-powered man who would probably like the good guy who is the new mummy and would probably fight whoever the bad guy was. And I don't even think it was Dracula, because Dracula Untold was immediately considered not Canada the Darkverse, even though it started the Darkverse. <laughs> <laughs> at least In Dracula Told. No at least Dracula Untold had a had a had a moment where he made a fist out of a giant fist out of bats surrounding him to punch the Ottomans, which that alone <laughs> at least makes it a worthwhile film to me. Oh but. yeah,
2: Dracula Untold sucks, but it's watchable. It's fun. Yeah. From what I've heard, the mummy is barely even watchable. I did not see it, like I said, so
0: so yeah, my hope is that they do. They start licensing it out, right? Getting may treat them more like art pieces. Mm-hmm. Right? Go back to what origin, Go back to what they did originally. Why are these movies a successful way back when? Because the monsters are interesting, and people want to see a cool little horror movie with them. And then later on down the line, someone got the idea that the wolf man can meet
2: mm-hmm. Frankenstein. They start, they're trying to, they, all of these cinematic universes that they keep trying to build are starting on step like three, where it's like step one is to make a good movie that people care about first. And they keep trying to skip that because it's like, oh, but we want to hype people up about a universe. But it's like, why don't you worry about making the movie good first and then worry about the universe later? They want to like skip those steps because they see, oh, well, Endgame was like the biggest movie ever. And it's like, yeah cuz they did 11 years of movies leading up to that first. Yeah. And it's right. like you can't just skip yeah. to that. Like that's why like Invisible Man is good cuz they made a good movie first. If they're going to yeah. do more with that in the future, that's great, but they did step one is make a good movie. So I hope that they realize that whereas with the other the other attempt at this, they did not do that. They they were so focused on what was going to happen later down the line that it's like why don't you make something people are going to care about first? So that so that there can be a crossover
0: and i like the mcu i know uh in the kino crowd maybe that's not a popular thing to say anymore but like the problem my biggest problem with the mcu and this is what anything popular is that too many things are trying to be the mcu when you know the mcu is what it is and actually i think it it's unique in that it can connect those things together but it's also based off comic book properties that have been crossing over for decades upon decades upon decades so it's already pre-built in there like it it's already they're taking from a connected universe um so people need to i think really you know figure out that you know comic books are a medium that connected universal monsters are not a medium that naturally connects horror is not a medium that naturally connects
3: Mm -hmm. so
0: that's the biggest my the biggest problem mcu did was make people want to be like the mcu
2: right it's easy to cross over a bunch of different adventure stories because you're just crossing them over into another adventure story it's hard to cross over a bunch of movies that are supposed to be scary and continue to make them scary when you've already introduced the gimmick of the crossover so it's it's a, it's a difficult task. Obviously, it's not impossible, but you're, you can't condense 11 years of filmmaking into, yeah. into one year.
0: And you also don't need to make technically all these movies. Like, um, I, I don't know if every property is going to be able to have a cool 2021 version. I don't know if I want to see another take on Dracula right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I do. And um, if
2: I do, let's make it a good movie first before yeah. we start worrying about crossover. Yeah, I'd right. rather see a bunch of remakes of every classic Universal monster movie as completely standalone movies first. You know, yeah. let's yeah. get that done first and make me care again and make good movies, and then later we can worry about crossing them over like they did back in the day. But just make them standalone first, like they're doing with with Joker and and robert Pattinson, and batman like make these isolated movies first and then figure out how to bring them all together yep yeah i couldn't and agree it might more. be dumb. it might be yeah. dumb at the end
0: right the cross so like invisible man stands alone that's right. great and maybe down the line they're going to take that Invisible man he's going to be in a movie which is asinine when you think about it but whatever <laughs> at that yeah. point to me when you're crossing over characters like that you're inherently doing something stupid it's mm-hmm. inherently becoming a goofy, fun, monster mash thing. Right. Uh, but before you w- get to the stupid. I mean, that's the problem, though. If you have enough goodwill. The Franken- the the House of Frankenstein can have a million monsters in it because there was enough goodwill. Of the old stuff that was there. Now, yeah, now we can make a dumb movie. All right. But you have to you have to earn your kind of critical respect. Mm-hmm. So your dumb movie doesn't feel dumb to everyone and everyone doesn't hate it.
2: Right. You gotta perf- earn your perfectly audience. Perfectly said, pretty much. Yeah. Perfectly
1: said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a ton we left untouched. Uh maybe we'll do a part two to this because I think this was fun. Um
2: we where, should do just expand into other monsters too. Yeah, probably wa- talk
0: about Boris Karloff. <laughs> I kind of <laughs>
1: yeah. nah nah. I just want a white zombie remake and in good quality this time. <laughs> that's that's all.
0: <laughs> one of my favorite bella rolls, by the way, Legosi rolls. Never talk about favorite Legosi rolls. That's up there. That's my number two behind Igor. White
1: yeah, zombie. Yeah, white zombie definitely. Yeah, that's that that obscure ass symbol that 12 other people in the horror community recognize. But really, <laughs> really was marked as like one of the first zombie movies. And- yeah. I think it was really cool because it had like these aspects of like voodoo in it and and bit, man this boy over here <laughs> you, you're about to break your fucking I'm trying voice. to con-
0: i'm trying to mind control you
1: <laughs> i know it's not gonna work but i think that role definitely yeah in my top um and we've already talked about son of frankenstein igor um I, yeah, Dracula to me, like, it, like it's so impactful, but ironically, is probably one of my least
3: favorite
1: C performances.
2: My favorite is Plan Nine from Outer Space. But I only mean, after yes. he's dead, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the part, dude. the, the part, part where he's walking. Yeah, out the, of the part where it's not actually him. That's my favorite. Yeah,
1: but I would totally. We should totally do, because I know we've talked about Universal Horror in the past, but we, we should totally meet up again and, and do like a part two of this, because yeah. Yeah. there's a whole lot we could discuss
2: here. Oh, yeah. You could do a whole podcast just about Universal Monsters. We no, could I also just those. quit
1: this podcast. Yeah, right or, or that. Hey, yeah. Monsters. Um, but before
3: we go, uh, James has something to say to everyone. Well, dang and, and
2: honestly
3: <laughs>
2: and, and honestly with that i think that wraps it up that perfectly. wraps
1: it the fuck up um and this has been the silver screen fiends podcast i've been sam
0: and i'm blake and i'm your special guest james
1: yeah and <laughs> happy halloween this will be coming out on halloween so happy Hell spookies yeah.
0: white zombie
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh the carloff show <laughs>
0: are we gonna Uh, end this or what (laughs) no no. keep going where's the sign off (laughs) later